Good morning again. Uh, it is, y'all may not know this, but it is like National Youth Pastor Preaching Day. Um, everywhere, all over the country, uh, youth pastors are getting their chance. So all the, the senior pastors come through Christmas, and then they take the next weekend off. So everywhere, all the time right now, it's Youth Pastor Day. So uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity. If you have your Bible this morning, please turn with me to one of my favorite passages of Scripture. It's Luke chapter number 17. We're going to read verses uh, 11 through 19 this morning and talk about discovering Jesus. I get the great privilege of actually getting to preach twice um, because Pastor Craig will be out of town next week, um, and he'll be going to Latvia. I had to uh, see Luke, and as one of our uh, international missionaries, he actually came from this church. Um, he'll be out of town next week. This thing's going to fall off. Um, I sat on it. Um, youth pastor guy. Um, anyway, so I get to preach twice. Um, so this week we're talking about discovering Jesus. Next week we're talking about settling our faith. Um, when you find your faith, what we're talking about this week, you're able to have the opportunity to settle it and to work some things out to make it actually usable. Um, so this morning, if you can uh, and are able, would you please stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Verse 11 of chapter 17 of Luke says, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. That's Jesus. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving thanks to him, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was not one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for the truth of your word. Um, as we begin this new year, I pray, uh, Lord, you would help us to see Jesus in such a new way, discovering him um, as the author and finisher of our faith, as Pastor Buster read to us this morning, but also, God, if we've never met him, I pray today would be the day of the salvation. I pray this year would be the year that you would save. I pray as we consider your word this morning, you would give us hearts um, to hear and understand, eyes to see, and then, Lord, uh, a commitment uh, to live out that truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Discovering Jesus. So here we go. In Luke chapter 17, verse 19, it says, And he was on his way to Jerusalem. It's easy to miss the fact that there is a lot wrapped up in this statement because it's just five words at the beginning of another story. And usually when it's just five words at the beginning of a story, we pass along those five words and not realizing that they have tremendous value and that they're saying a great deal. See, because we just come through Christmas, and with Christmas, you mustn't miss the fact that Christmas and Easter automatically connected. The birth of Christ is absolutely and necessarily tied to his death for the salvation of all. So this morning, as we begin, we begin with Jesus being on his way to Jerusalem, on his way to the first Easter, 
As we've turned the page into 2023, we are on our way to Easter. We just left Christmas, and we're on our way. And when you see these first five words, you see that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. He's on his way to the cross, on his way to the first Easter. We're on our way to seeing Jesus pay the price for all sin ever, as Jesus is on his way there in what we read this morning. This is a huge piece of information and is significantly more magnificent on this side of the resurrection because those who experienced it the first time, you have to realize they saw it from the other side of the resurrection. Things didn't make sense. Me and a couple of deacons were kicking around this idea this morning, the fact that they saw all these incredible things that Jesus did. You know, you walk on water, you call the living, uh, the dead back to the living, you heal people's blindness and make them walk again when they can't walk and still struggle to understand the power that's coming from the man that was Jesus because they lived on the other side of the resurrection. We have the resurrection. We're able to look at it and say everything is true because if you're dead three days and you come out of the tomb, then you're different. But more than that, this morning, I want you to discover Jesus this year like you never have I want you to see him this morning as he's unmasked. I want you to know that he loves you. And I want you to discover Jesus like you've never, ever been able to. More deeply or for the first time. So what causes you to look to Jesus? That's our question today. Number one this morning. To find faith, you must go looking. And looking is instigated for a reason. And often, number one, problems activate that discovery. You don't just go looking for your toothbrush unless you got to brush your teeth. You don't just go do things without reason. Most often, we don't just wander around aimlessly without a point. These 10 men had a problem, and this problem caused them this incredible separation that we can't even begin to realize except to maybe understand it just a little bit better because we're on this side of COVID-19. We understand what separation is because some of us have been quarantined. Like, we got sent home from school. We wouldn't get to see our friends forever. But this way of separation for these 10 men was different because their separation caused them to find community in what was broken about them. See, we didn't have to quarantine with other COVID people. Even though everybody in your house might have had COVID, you know, it was still just a number of days or so it was supposed to be, until everybody gets out of jail, you know, everybody gets out of COVID jail. And so we didn't have to go and be broken in this one community, living separate from other people. We, we still got to stay at home. We still got to live in our community. These 10, when you had leprosy, when you had these skin diseases, you had to go live out by yourself in the leper colony. This problem caused them to find community, but They also found community in their problem. What was wrong with them caused them to be put together. And see, it's real easy to settle with community in your difficulty. It's real easy for you to let the problem become what defines you and what binds you. It's real easy to take what you think is wrong in your life, find other people that those like things are wrong with, and begin this little community together. And it's super easy now that we live in this world with the internet, that you can go anywhere and find things wrong with you that are wrong with somebody else, and you start your own little chat room or your own little friend group. It's easy to find what's difficult in your life and allow it to tell you all about who God is. To become a victim of a problem instead of a warrior in pursuit of a solution. But you must never allow your difficult circumstances to inform you about God. But only 
ever let God inform you about your difficult circumstances. You must never let your difficult circumstances tell you who God is. To define who God is. Because something bad happened to me, God is bad. Because something is hard, God doesn't love me. You can't do that because that's not what the truth of Scripture says. You must never let difficult circumstances to inform you about, only ever let God inform you about your difficult circumstances. Read with me again verses 11 and 12. On his way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers. Who stood at a distance. These ten had a problem. But their problem did not surprise God. God was not surprised that they had leprosy or that they had difficulty or that they had to live in community or there was something that people defined them and said, this is wrong with you. God put them into a position where their problem could be addressed. And as bad as we might think leprosy is, and if you go Google it, it's nasty. Now, the Bible treats leprosy as like all skin diseases, but there is a certain leprosy that's worse than all the other ones where literally you have appendages fall off your body because they rot off. It's bad. And you have to realize that this position caused them to need Jesus. And God put them there so that their problem could be addressed. He gave them access. It said, as Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, he was met by ten lepers. Jesus didn't have to go that way. There were other ways to get there. This was most often the one traveled. But he didn't have to go that way. This isn't Jesus' first run-in with a leper. The last time Jesus ran into a leper, you read about it in Matthew chapter 8, and he actually goes over and he touches a man with leprosy, which you were really not supposed to do because that was what you were got leprosy from actual like human contact. And that was supposed to change everything about you. But see, Jesus isn't scared of what's wrong with you. When you let God tell you about what's going on, inform you about your circumstances, then you come to scriptures like Romans chapter 5, 1 through 4. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into grace in which we stand, in which we rejoice, and in the hope and the glory of God. Not only that. But we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not push us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. When you let God inform you about your circumstances, instead of taking your circumstances and automatically telling God what he's like based on what's going on with you, then you come to passages like that or James 1, 2 through 4 that says, Consider it all joy when you experience various trials, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let it have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, that you can go through anything and that you're not without nothing. You claim promises like Jeremiah 29, 11, or Romans 8, 28. 
And realize that when it says, you know, all things work together for good for those who love God and according to his purposes, we often recite that verse and you've heard it so many times or maybe you just heard it for the first time and you got stuck on the end of that where it says work together for good, but you didn't realize it said everything. It says all things. It doesn't say easy things. It doesn't say hard things. It doesn't say things that you define as good because once you let your circumstances start telling you who God is, then you'll start defining things as bad. Start defining God as not loving, not caring, not worried about you. But Romans 8.28 says, all things work together for good. And this is significant because when you realize that all things work together for good, it gives you a place where you can stop. I tell our students all the time, you can wrestle with everything. There are some bad things going to happen in your life. Some of our students and, and our community have, have had such incredible things happen over the last you know, month or so that they'll, they'll be looking back at this time for the rest of their life and thinking, oh my, that was incredible. But there's one fact that you can never wrestle with. God is good. You have to have a stopping place. Somewhere where you just rest. When you realize that all things work together for your good, you are left with a stopping place for your struggle. You can wrestle with everything but the fact that God is good. And when you stop, your problem becomes that which activates your discovery. These ten began pursuing Jesus because they found out they needed Jesus. Walk around in this story a little bit. These ten went after Jesus because they realized that's who they needed. And it was their problem that activated that discovery. These guys went looking for Jesus as the solution to being healed. They went looking for Jesus with an expectation and with hope. And here's why. They went looking for Jesus because someone told them about Jesus. They went looking to find Jesus because somebody told them about Jesus. When you walk around in this story, there's a couple of implicit facts, ones that you have to actually dig a little bit to see. And here they are. Number one, they all likely had different days in which they started this struggle. Now, they could have all went and grabbed a hold of the same person. They all got leprosy on the same day. That absolutely could you know, be something that happened. But more than likely... Everybody, these 10 lepers, all started this struggle on different days. Because that's the way, you know, things usually happen. Number two, they all had the same last day. They all started their struggle on a different day. How long do you need to be in your struggle? It might be different than the one next to you. They all started on the same day. They all had the same last day. They all had the same last day, number three, because somebody told them about Jesus. They all had the same last day because somebody shared hope with them. What causes you to go after Jesus? The day you trust Jesus will not be the last day you won't have problems, but it will be your last day without hope. The day that you trust Jesus... The day that you stop allowing your circumstances to inform you about who he is will not be the last day that things are hard. They will continue to be hard, but it will be the last day that you don't have hope. 
Their problem activated their discovery. They found faith in Jesus because somebody shared Jesus with them. See, when you read back upstream of their encounter, when you start in like the between the end of verse 9 or in the end of verse 10 and verse 11, if there was this space there, and we say upstream of their problem, these men were told about Jesus, and they experienced their last day without hope, not when Jesus healed them, but when they heard about him. Think about that. You're in this story. You're one of those ten. The last day that you didn't believe that there was an end to your problem wasn't the day that you were healed. That's the last day you knew there was an end. The last day that you believed that there wasn't one is the day that you found out who could fix you, how you could be made well. Jesus healed them, but the last day without hope was the day they heard about him. They went looking for Jesus with hope. And Jesus demonstrates that having hope and being healed is not dependent on who you are because it doesn't matter, only whether or not you're willing to come to him. Number two, discovery prompts a plan and a position. Discovery prompts a plan to position yourself. Behind a plan is belief and behind position is faith. Discovery prompted them to get in Jesus' way. They heard about Jesus. They believed because somebody shared. And they made sure they were in the right place to exercise what they believe. And they discovered Jesus. Because when you believe in Jesus, that discovery inspires you to work out that faith. It looks a lot like what you read about in Romans 10. Romans 10, 14 says, how are they going to call on someone if they have not heard of him? Who's going to share? The, how are they going to know the gospel unless somebody shares the gospel with them? That's what Romans 10, 14 says. Romans 10, 9 and 10 say, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Romans 10, 13 says, for all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That means you can't want Jesus and not get him. Their problem prompted their discovery. And they exercised their faith because they believed. They made a plan based on what they'd heard about Jesus. They looked at each other and said, okay, we've heard about Jesus. Somebody told us where hope is. We believe that he can help us. Now what are we going to do? Well, he's going to come back through here maybe. Okay, he's coming back through here. Then what are we going to do? We're going to make sure that we get in his way. Not so close that, you know, he feels like we're trying to give him leprosy or anything like that, or that everybody will, will, will fuss at us because we're getting too close to Jesus. But we're going to get close enough where he can hear us. See, they heard about Jesus from someone, and so they put themselves in a position to find him, and they got close enough for him to hear. And when they saw him, they said, look, that's him. Maybe somebody had given them a description. Maybe there was a crowd of people around. Maybe, you know, one of their friends came running up to them and said, hey, that guy you're looking for, he's coming down the road now. They say, look, it's him. Did he surprise Jesus? Nope. Isn't that awesome? They put themselves in a position to see Jesus. But did Jesus, was Jesus surprised that they were there when he got there? God never doesn't see you. It's only ever you who don't see God. Because again, 
Your circumstances can blind you if you let them inform you about who God is. So they say, we're going to make sure he can see us. Then what are we going to do? We're going to yell. What are we going to say? Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They position themselves. They say we're going to wager everything on the fact that he is who he says he is. That he is who we've heard he is. We're going to say, Jesus, Master. They position themselves. They yelled out. Now, this wasn't like a Jesus take the wheel kind of moment. Right? They weren't like, Jesus, come over here and get in a car with us and you can drive. They were not, Jesus, we need you to let us into your car. See, Jesus take the wheel is like, you know, a really bad thing to live by. That implies the fact that you have some control. You can exercise your faith, but the better way might be to say, Lord, help me to you know, live in the car that you're driving. They positioned themselves to hear. They knew they had no other choice. Deep down, God has stirred faith in their heart, and they exercised it to the best of their ability in that moment when they said, have mercy on us. They owned their problem. They didn't say, God, I can't believe you did this. Now fix it. They owned it. They said, have mercy on us. Why is that a big deal? Because they said, give us what we don't deserve. That's what mercy is. Give to us what we don't deserve. They own their problem. They don't say, I can't believe this happened. They don't say, oh, we just need a little bit of help. They say, have mercy. They ask God to intervene. They didn't allow what was difficult to tell them about who God is. And here's another implicit fact. They found Jesus only because they had a problem Something was difficult, so they found him. But what was their problem? It was leprosy. What was good for them didn't feel good. What was good for them did not feel good. And here's the truth. What is good for you may not feel good. Very often, you're going to meet situations and circumstances in your life, and you're going to question why it hurts so bad. Why does this have to happen? Where did I go wrong? Maybe you didn't. Maybe you did. Sometimes things that are difficult in your life are meant to drive you to dependence on Jesus. Sometimes things that are difficult in your life are the consequences of your sin. But either way, the answer is the same. Jesus. Whether it's you need him for strength and wisdom and power and the ability to make it through, or you're dealing with the consequences of your sin and you need to ask for forgiveness first so that you can be reconciled, repentant, so that you can confess with your mouth that God is faithful and just to forgive you because if you say, forgive me for what I've done, he will. They own their problem. Sometimes what is needed is not what is good, or it's not going to feel good, but it's meant to drive you to Jesus. What's wrong wasn't good for them. The problem, though, was perfect because it put them right in Jesus' way. Number three this morning, obedience changes everything. They discovered Jesus because someone shared Jesus with them. They planned and positioned themselves to see Jesus and to call out to him. Now, when we read again verse 14, Jesus says, 
Go and show your way. And he, when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. It doesn't say when they heard. It said when they went. Obedience changes everything. As they went, they discovered Jesus because somebody shared. And obedience to his command changed everything. You have to ask and you have to obey. God, what should I do? Read the Bible. Okay, now I got to do what it says. Think again how they felt in this moment. They had leprosy. They're absolutely separated, living in this messed up community where the only thing that bound them was what was wrong with them. They hear about Jesus because somebody shared Jesus with them. They gave them the last day without hope. They had hope. And then when they saw Jesus, they put themselves in his way. They yelled out. They owned their problems. They had mercy on us. And then when Jesus said, do something, they did it. All that matters is your willingness to trust him. Because you never know what's on the other side of your obedience. You never know. You never know what's on the other side of you obeying what Jesus says. Is it always going to work out where you're immediately healed and immediately your problem and struggle go away and all of a sudden all of the things in your world are right good and good and they feel good? No. It's not always going to work out like that. A lot of times you're going to be obedient and the thing that you were obedient to is going to cause something to be even more difficult. But Jesus demonstrates that it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. All that matters is your willingness to come to him. See, break this down a little bit, and you think they discovered because they had a problem. They knew they needed Jesus because God knew that they needed a problem to put them in that position. And in order for them to seek a solution, and in order for them to hear when it was shared with them, they needed a problem. Then Jesus sees them and gives them command. And not knowing what was on the other side of their obedience, they went anyway. And their obedience changed everything. When we walk around in that, we know that God only has the power to change certain situations. All situations God has the power to change. But here's the thing. Jesus said, go and show yourselves to the priests. He sent them to those that didn't have the power to change anything. What would the priests do? They only were able to observe what God could only accomplish. They could look and say, yes, you're clean. No, you're not. Go back there. See, that's the way the world is. Not that the priest was necessarily wrong or bad or a part of the sinful world or anything like that, but the fact that what the world sees is often only what God can accomplish, and it's your opportunity to share. What happened to you? I thought you had leprosy. Jesus. What happened to you? I thought your marriage was in shambles. Jesus. I will, I will lose it right now. We have me and my wife, Betsy, we're talking about some friends of ours who are struggling. We're like, we've been there. It's been, you know, a number of years since we were there, like 10 or whatever. And we started wrestling with how did we make it through? What they're going through. We're like, Jesus. Well, even, even before that, what, what happened? Jesus. Well, how do you... It was, it was Jesus. 
We didn't uh, like all of a sudden gather up our strength and say, we're going to overcome this thing that's trying to tear our marriage apart. We're not going to all of a sudden gather up and, and tear down this wall of, of difficulty that's happening in our lives. It was Jesus. And one day, and I'll, I'll own this one, one day I had had enough, and I said, I quit. <laughs> I owned it, and it was Jesus. And on the other side of obedience, it changed everything. And I say that to say that if you all in here right now think about one of those things that's happening to you or happened to you in your life, you have this thing that you say, how did I make it? What happened? And you start taking steps back and say, okay, well, that happened and that happened and that happened. And you get to a place where you say, it was Jesus. And what do you do with that? Bet you know somebody who's going through that same thing. You go tell them. Because Jesus changes everything. On the other side of obedience, there's blessing. But the reverse of this story is if they would have ignored what they heard. So you don't think that when you read the Bible, do you? Well, what if they didn't do that? What if they ignored the person that shared Jesus with them and said, Psh. We're just going to sit over here in our brokenness and stay victims. And, you know, we're going to define God based on what's wrong with us. And we're going to say that because it's bad in my life and it doesn't feel good, God must be bad and he doesn't love me. See, we don't ever read the stories in the other direction to see how good God actually is because we don't dig that much. We just kind of read it and go, whoo, Jesus. It's bigger than that. What if they wouldn't have believed? And position themselves and didn't obey. What if you don't believe? Or you struggle to believe? What if you think you can fix it? What if you're looking for a solution that doesn't involve Jesus? That means you're wagering the outcome on a worldly solution. And on power that's uncertain. And on a ladder without a top ring. Think about that. Everything that the world offers you. You can look at it and you can say, okay, what next? Partying on Friday night makes me feel good. Okay, what's next? What about 30 years worth of partying on Friday nights? Okay, what's next? What about those people that I can't just let go of because I'm worried about what they think of me? Well, when are you going to stop worrying about them? What's next? See, everything that the world offers you is like a ladder without a top rung. There's always a what next. And you never get to the top. It's always one more bar to reach, one more rung to climb. But Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. There's no top rung. There's peace. If you neglect what God is doing in your life, then you're going to miss the opportunity he's given you to grow in a relationship with Jesus, to find faith and to build it. Think about it. These 10 just say, nope. I ain't worried about Jesus. I ain't worried about what somebody told me about Jesus. I ain't gonna put myself in the right place. I ain't gonna obey. Neglect that opportunity, then you're missing the opportunity for your last day without hope, number one. But also to build faith. And something that you can exercise. So how does this apply to you? Three ways. 
This is what we do, in, you know, the teenagers. We always make sure that we do the three ways last because, you know, like you guys, they often, you know, forget the middle stuff. They remember the first and the last thing. So everybody in here will remember what I talked about first about, you know, it's youth pastor day, and now we're going to get to the other part that I want you to make sure that you remember. Three ways that this applies to you. Think about this. Number one, you have to share Jesus. If you're not sharing Jesus, you're keeping someone from their last day without hope. Have you ever thought about sharing Jesus like that? I hadn't until God did this to me, and it messed me up. Because when you don't tell people about Jesus, you're keeping them from their last day. We all have somebody in our life that's messed up and broken, and that just is grasping at strings, that Googles something every day and follows the new fad or the new strand or the new way that the world is walking. Every one of us in here have that. But if you're not telling that person about Jesus and you're keeping them from the last day without hope. But if you do, then they can't hope. See, I get to hang out with teenagers a lot and it's fun and it's awesome and I wouldn't change it for anything. And here's the new apologetic. We used to, all of us in here used to have to tell people about, you know, how true the Bible was, and we built up all these arguments about creation and truth, how true the Bible was and the, and the resurrection. You know what kids look at me now and want to know? Why am I hurting? They don't know, like, how deep was the Red Sea? They don't care. I have never been asked that question. I go to four schools a week and have been going for five years, and nobody has ever asked me how deep the Red Sea is. Like everybody in here is going to Google that when they leave. I wonder how deep the Red Sea was. Nobody asked me that. I rarely get the dinosaur question. I get the problem of good and evil. Why do bad things happen to good people? I get that one. But now, more than anything else, I get, why am I hurting? Why does my friend want to hurt themselves? What does this mean? Why can't everybody agree? Why is there so much hate? See, but when you share Jesus with people, you're giving them their last day without hope. And you learn that that's all people really want. Hope. Share Jesus. Share the hope of Jesus. Tell them they don't have to fear. When you share Jesus, you give them the ability to fight. To fight off everything that happens inside of them that says you don't have a chance. Share Jesus because you have the ability to give them the hope that conquers, conquers guilt, the hope that conquers shame, the ability to rest and trust. Number two, position yourself to read Jesus. Everybody's going to start a brand new Bible reading plan today, right? Right, okay. Everybody, when you start your brand new Bible reading plan, you're putting yourself in the situation to see Jesus. Position yourself to see Jesus. Number one, share hope with people. Number two, see Jesus. Read his word, pray with him, get with his people, people who will support you, people who've been prepared to help you, those who have been broken and who Jesus is fixed, or those that are broken and Jesus is fixing. When you put yourself in this position to see Jesus, you end up around some people that really do care about you. And it doesn't matter what's going on, and it doesn't matter how bad it is, and it doesn't matter when it is. 
There's no qualifications for the love of Christ that gets exercised from his people. We just love you. Now, we're going to mess it up sometimes because, you know, we're sinful. We're going to mess up that. We're supposed to love you sometimes. But it's not going to be without grace. We're always going to ask, forgive me, please. If you've ever been hurt by a church member, forgive us. There are sinful people here and at Walmart and everywhere you go. So, you know, we're not going to not mess up. But when you position yourself to see Jesus, you read his word, you pray, and you get around his people. You'll often hear people say stuff like, I don't think you understand my situation. I don't think you know what I'm going through. It would be very difficult for me to go and find somebody who is going through the exact same thing that I am so that they could show me how to go through it step by step. There are those people out there. Absolutely, 100%. But often, I don't need somebody else that's got a broke ankle to show me what it's like to have a broke ankle or to teach me what it's like to make it through. What I need is somebody who's already had a broke ankle. I need someone who's going to come looking for me and is strong enough to carry me out. I don't need someone to, that's going to like be a part of the community that I'm starting when we say, okay, everybody with broke ankles, we're all going to get together. We're all going to talk about how bad the world is because we got a broke ankle. See, everybody wants to take what bad that happened to them and automatically make it something that binds them to other people. But here's what you don't realize is that struggle had meaning. Here's what I mean. If I go run a mile, I know that it takes me about, you know, three feet per step, right? So I go and run a mile. On the last step of that mile that I run, I break my ankle. What do I get mad at? The last step. What do I not thank God for every step before that? I don't need other people with a broke ankle for us to get together in community and talk about how messed up everything is. I need somebody to come find me and carry me out. You want to know what God's people in his community do? There are people that come find you and carry you out. Don't be surprised if you're not putting yourself in the way to see Jesus when you get spiritually wrecked because you've done nothing to spiritually grow. If you're not putting yourself, remember we're going to do this thing where we see it on the other side of this. If you're not reading the Bible and you're not praying and you're not around the right people, and those are just like the minimums, right? Jesus said everybody who visited me in the you know, prison, everybody who brought me something to drink when I was thirsty, you know, that's the next step. If you're not reading, praying, and around God's people, don't be surprised when you get spiritually wrecked because you've done nothing to spiritually grow. Coasting will lead to compromise. Just because you're okay today, I'm in a good place today, nothing's really going on wrong with me today, it's probably the day when you must push a little bit harder because every day you cease a relentless pursuit of Jesus is the day that you've left your heart unguarded. The devil, this world, and your sinful flesh never stop pursuing you. Number one, share Jesus. Number two, put yourself in the position to find him. Number three, Obey and find change. 
obey and find change. You never know what's on the other side of obedience, except that that's where blessing awaits. How many times do you have to obey? I don't know. How many steps is it going to take to get out of the struggle that you're in? I don't know. What do I know? I know that the day that you trust Jesus is your last one without hope. I know that every time that you obey, you can hope that you're closer. I know that you can put your faith in the fact that God is working all things for your good. All things. Not the easy things, not the hard things. All things. The things that feel good, the things that feel bad. All things. You never know what's on the other side. Obedience is believing. Belief is an exercise of a conviction. A conviction is something you know from God's word that is so true and you're so thoroughly convinced of it that you're willing to stand for it regardless of the consequences. How many of those things do you have in your life? How many things do you have that you're so thoroughly convinced or true that you're willing to stand for it regardless of the consequences? See, we live in a world that's questioning truth every day. And the devil is figuring out a new way to disguise that truth all the time. Absolutes now are needed more than ever. What can you absolutely trust? There. Obedience brings blessing. We know that because in the Bible there's these crazy stories. Noah, build a boat. Worked out. <laughs> Moses, lead the people. It was hard. It did not feel good. God worked it out. Joshua, take the promised land. Ruth, meet Boaz. David was the man after God's own heart. He both got it right and wrong so thoroughly that he saw sin and grace as well maybe as you possibly can. He got it so right and so wrong in his life that he saw grace and forgiveness maybe as well as anybody. How do I know that? When you go read the things that David wrote in his Psalms, he wrestled with everything but the fact that God was good. Where's that at? Read David, the things that David wrote in the Psalms. He says, I can't believe you're letting them do this to me. My enemies have surrounded me. Do you see what's going on right now, God? And in almost every Psalm that David wrote, there's a turn. Where he said, but your goodness and mercy endures forever. And he changes. He rolls his heart out there and everything that's going on. He's completely honest with, who, with God about what's going on and, and everything that he is struggling with. But he turns and says, God is good. And I'm not going to wrestle with that. Daniel, don't worry about the lions. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the fire won't hurt you. How do I know that that happened? Because they said, even if God doesn't save us, we're going in there anyway. The uncomfort of their situation did not scare them. Only obedience that changed everything. Joseph, oh, Esther, maybe you're there for such a time as this. Obey. Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Obey. Peter, walk on water. Man with a withered hand, stretch it out. Man whose son was in need of Jesus, said, help my unbelief. Woman with his charge of blood, Mark chapter 5, said, if I could just touch his garment. Believe, obey. Almost every account, there's hope that out of everything, God was in control. And that was the only certainty they had. 
These are wild stories that display the hope birth that brought obedience that was exercised in faith. And they all learned what was on the other side of obedience. So here we are. Your challenge today to share hope. To position yourself to see Jesus. And know that obedience brings blessing. That question this morning, what causes you to go look for Jesus? Here's your answer. Everything. If he works something out in your life, you're supposed to go look for him to praise him. You're going to see that next week. The one that it worked out for, the best one that it worked out for, is the one that ran back to Jesus and was grateful for what God had done. And Jesus said, where's everybody else? I did this for 10 people. Where are the nine? On the other side of obedience is this great blessing. Share hope, position yourself, and know that obedience brings there. This morning, have you heard about the hope you can find in Jesus and need to be saved? If so, I'd love to tell tell you about him. Do you need to commit to share hope? Have you thought of that person that you need to call or go see Or make sure you encounter this week, this person that needs to hear about Jesus. Do you need to do that? Do you need to commit yourself to position yourself to see Jesus in 2023? Start with reading his word. If you've never read his word, don't jump in it and say, I'm going to read all the Bible in the next six months. I am fired up. January 1st, here I come. Don't do that. Just read one verse today. Read two tomorrow. When you get to a paragraph and you're reading a paragraph a day, you know, do that for a week or two. Then bump it up. Read two paragraphs. Get to a chapter. See, any time that you do more tomorrow than you did today, you're growing. Commit yourself to positioning yourself to see Jesus better in 2023. But is there a place in your life where you need to obey where you're scared to let God in. To let him have the problem. Where you know that what the answer is, but you haven't followed through in obedience. That's your challenge today. Today is the day, a literal day of first. Take your first step in 2023 in obedience and commit to Jesus. Sharing and obeying. As our musicians come this morning, what altar is open? Which way are you headed? Are you going to be like those 10 who put themselves in the right place? Or are you going to ignore? Wherever you are, whatever you need, come and meet Jesus and discover faith today. As our musicians come this morning, I am going to pray. Dear God, thank you for your love, grace. Thank you, God. That this morning we know is the day of first, it is January 1st, but God also, Lord, today is the day of salvation. For all those who believe, you have always saved. So God, I pray for those who do not know you yet. I pray, God, that you'd work in their life and their heart. Help them to discover you, to realize that what causes them to need Jesus is sin. But also, though, for all of us who have struggled to live out the truth of your word in 2023, I pray, God, 
that you would bless, lead, and guide. I pray that as we read your word, as we pray and around the people, God, that you would empower us to do such amazing things that we have already been in your presence today. Help us to continue to stay in it. Lord, meet us where we are today, as you have promised. In Christ's name, amen. Stand with us.